Welcome back to the show. This is Noise Benet, and some thinks I have thought. I find myself compelled to enunciate this better just because uh, when I speech to type, it's been catching it as things. So I'm thinking the general audience isn't hearing my title correctly either. Speaking of ha-has, we are now on episode 3, part 2, which would technically be episode 4 if you're going to go counting. But this is comedy part 2. And some things I've thought about comedy is that I don't always agree with the comedians I'm watching. Um, I don't agree with Bill Maher when he attacks people rather than listening to people. I don't agree with Bill Hicks when he says young girls are delightfully delicious. I don't look at a young girl like that, but then again, I was a young girl at one point, and I didn't appreciate that. I appreciate a lot about Bill Hicks, but the goat boy statement about the young girl does disturb most people who get shown the Bill Hicks treatment, and it does scare them off from seeing more. And I think that's unfortunate, because he has an apt political eye for humor, and he's determined to entertain and inform the crowd. Like, that was a freaking mission. Like, he wanted people to know things before he died. And I think it's sad how he's been cruelly forgotten by most of time, space, and the public. But Bill Hicks was a special case, because he wasn't particularly famous in his home country of America. He was more famous, per se, outside, in areas like mine, like Canada, or areas like Europe. I think it's sad that he would reflect two, two audiences. I sold out a giant stadium, and now I'm back in Possum Ridge doing the comedy pouch, or whatever. Possum Ridge doing the comedy pouch. Something like that. I'm, I'm a water cooler comedian. I am a paraphraser at best. It means probably that I did too well on rephrasing things in books, and not enough detail to details. I appreciate Drew Carey as another comedian, but my love for him has less to do with whose show is it anyway, and the price is going to be eventually right. My interest in Drew Carey was actually he wrote a book several years ago called Dirty Jokes and Beer, in which he stars in a few short stories that are fictional about his own life, or at least what we presume are fictional stories. I thought that was an unusually clever and interesting way of self-inserting. I, I remember when Stephen King self-inserted himself into the Dark Tower and it was like, Why, Stevie, no! Somehow when Drew Carey did it, it was less rocky and more an interesting story. On Richard Pryor, there's two major things that come to mind. One, I was way too young to see See No Evil, Hear No Evil the first time because I really didn't see anything wrong with Gene Wilder's hand in his pocket being a gun. I didn't understand that he was doing something sexual at that age, obviously, but I remember watching that when I got older and being like, wow, that's a saucy movie to, for a child to have seen. My other impression that always stays with me about Richard Pryor is I know where I was the day he died. I don't remember exactly what day it was or what year it was. But my thumb got caught in the door of a car and snipped off a piece of my thumb. And I used to say that was a donation to the comedy gods. 
and that maybe that little pound of flesh would bring me that much closer to finding my inner whatever it is. Louis Black, what I think I like about him, and what bothers me about myself, is that his memory is going. I have the memory of Louis Black, who is a man who is considerably older than me. I have much sympathy for this guy as a comedian. I ended up reading his book, Black Christmas, and I don't want to spoil details, but that is literally one of the most depressing Christmas books I've ever owned and by far one of the ones I refused to get rid of. I wanted to touch back on Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers was someone who would make fun of the disabled, but many people say that if you have someone in your crowd who is a certain way, you have certain license. From what I understand, Joan Rivers had deaf relatives and made jokes about the deaf, with the relatives right in the crowd understanding the jokes and laughing along with her. I notice a lot of people who are offended are like offended on behalf of others. Um, I'm very white and I did micro braids and I had very mixed reviews about this. I was very innocent about it going in the first time, but by the second time I, I realized it was a very big so social faux pas, especially for the time in which I was doing it, which I didn't realize the ramifications of I was being an idiot. Joan Rivers seemed like a workaholic. I'm kind of impressed with that. Her stamina must have been amazing. I would have loved to seen the Queen of Comedy versus the presidency of Trump. Whereas I think Bill Hicks would have imploded at the presidency of Bush Jr. I think that would have just drove him insanity. What I wanted to mention about Eliza Schlesinger was that she's like a female to basic whisperer. I don't understand women. Women don't understand women. Men don't understand women. We're all, like, clueless about everybody. Eliza seems to have this thing about being able to explain the weird, quirky bits about women and why we do it. And sometimes I feel like I'm learning all kinds of things when I watch my elder millennial teach me. We're going to detour to Bob Saget, who is a very dirty comedian when he's not doing family shows. He sings, and he sings horribly memorable things. You will not get that out of your head. Trust me, if you go looking, you will not get those out of your head. And I'm going to agree with them, ack, millennials. My reference humor is dead, too, because my reference humor dates from the 1950s to 2008. That is the core of my sense of humor. Movie, media-wise, I'm... I realize I had to catch up with the technology and the media of the time as a pop culture junkie. My reference humor was falling on a lot of deaf ears. You can't exactly make jokes about Alien Nation, a 1988 movie that was so obscure I've literally met all of one person who knew what I was talking about. Unless you want to go full out Andy Kaufman, at which point I don't want to drag him into anything. I just want to say that I appreciate him a lot as a comedian, and I would have had a, probably a whole episode dedicated to him, 
and whatnot, but I did indirectly, accidentally, not write him down, so I don't have a lot of details and facts ready for it. But I do relate a lot with his character, the foreign man, because in my own life, I've been the foreign man of my own town, in my own life. It's like Caspiar sank, and with it, my home. We're gonna wrap this up with a George Carlin and a Robin Williams pairing up. George Carlin goes first. I think he was one of the world's funniest observers of human minutia. The work he did in the end of his life was fantab... Uh, that's a weird word. Fantabulous. That's not even a word, man. Apparently. I wish I could get his last autobiography. I got to read a few chapters. It's just engrossing. I want it again. I appreciate one thing about Carlin in particular. He was trying to do things like the seven dirty words you can't say on television, or how many of them there were, at a time where you literally couldn't do it. Now we live in the day of Game of Thrones, where they're doing some of what you couldn't say on television. And we're going to wrap up real quick with our George Carlin bring it home, but bring it down to Robin Williams. I actually said the day before he died that it would be the end of an era if he died. And I don't mean to be spooky, but that was not cool. I don't like to mention something like that and it happened. That did make me feel pretty bad. Mostly because most, most children who grew up with the genie character and, and all of his child, child movies, you know, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, stuff like that, we had a special love for for Robin Williams, because he was really uh, someone who could speak to the masses. I think it's sad that he felt he had to go the way he did. And I think one of the most telling things, this could be a rumor, one of the most telling signs I heard about his demise was he gave someone a sock of watches or clocks. I don't know what says I'm running out of time more than that. That is a direct message, I think. We are all running out of time. But, if we want to tie it to the Bill Hicks method, that man was an action-packed dude. It was like he knew he was going to live 32 years, and he made the best of it. He had a 15-year career by the time he died. I think something can be said for the people who live in the moment. I am someone who lives in all times, past, present, and future. It doesn't make it easier, but it makes it a level of interesting. And thus, I leave you with no particular jokes and nothing funny about comedy, but these were just random thoughts I had about things. So I think it's time we say goodbye, good luck, good night, and stay awesome. And if you can't stay awesome, stay somewhere else. This is Noise Binet, signing out from Some Thinks I've Thought. <laughs>